glad you could join us for episode 114 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and Ashley Scott. And there's no controversy with these actors no, the way no, there is I'm, on Firefly. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, and I'm covered <laughs> on Firefly. So. Yeah, you're covered for you know, maybe a week or two, actually, but then, yeah. But anyway, we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab. You could record your own audio clip and send it our way or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And as always, we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group, join in the discussions there. And finally, we'd really appreciate it if you get the chance to head on over to iTunes and give us hopefully a five-star rating, which will really help the podcast visibility. You know, as an English teacher, Wayne, you'd think I would read more. You'd think, but there's a lot of TV get, on, though. I, do you get to read much anymore? Uh, I, I, I do take some time each day to read, you know, a little bit at least. I've been working on the uh, Song of Ice and Fire books for oh, okay. you know, the better part of a year now. I'm almost done the last one. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Oh, so that's some heavy reading. I mean, I finally... Uh, gotten back into it I, I you know and and look I mean we have to read enough just for school and, and prepping for there that that my reading for pleasure I although I do read a lot of non-fiction usually sports related stuff which goes by pretty quickly but I think I might have mentioned to you I, I I just finished a novel called Station 11 by Emily St. John yeah you did mention Mandel it. you know and, and, and it's really good uh post-apocalyptic tale and you know it's a virus that wipes out 99% of the world's population. But what I like is that it's not science gone awry. As far as we we know, it's just simply a flu the that they refer to as the Georgian flu that just wipes out everybody and goes from there. But the other one that I had been about 100 pages in, have you read Neil Gaiman's American Gods? No, I haven't. Okay, are you familiar with it? Um, I don't, I, I mean, I, I know who Neil Gaiman Other is, than that, it, ex- but right. right uh, yeah. Of course but no, I'm not know. familiar um, with it. Really. Well, well, apparently stars is going to make a, a series out of the novel. So I was a hundred pages in and I just got bogged down and stopped reading it. And, you know, once I finished station 11, I thought, well, let me revisit it, pick it up. And apparently, you know, this, this protagonist encounters gods on earth is i guess the as i understand that i'm starting to get to that point it's a long book but i certainly wouldn't call it dense reading was it like certainly not. axel and mike uh no no it's not uh, well you know what i i actually i don't know that yet it, it very well could be now that you mention oh, okay. it okay um you know, I was referring to that, though, right? I, I, of okay. course, the uh, I, I always want to say the Brothers Johnson. Of course, that's the funk group, <laughs> the Almighty Johnsons. Yeah, the Almighty Johnsons. So, you know, it, it's easy reading. Yeah, I mean, certainly not like what you're reading with George R. R. Martin. I mean, it's, I mean, I think under anybody's opinion, that would qualify as dense reading. Yeah, they're just dense books. They're just they're huge. You know, like you don't feel like you're making progress through them yeah, but so. uh, but you know I, I enjoy them they're they're, uh, they're pretty good books and it's interesting to you know before i was ahead of the game because i'd read i'd read the first three books so basically the first three seasons of game of thrones i was kind of you know i'd already read i, I knew it was going to happen and everything but now you know it's kind of they've gone past what i've read and, and maybe even gone past the book that i'm currently reading so when things happen like i'm like shocked you know, surprised and everything, and uh, which is yeah. makes me the same as pretty much everyone else, I guess. Yeah. Well, well, the one interesting thing in American Gods is he's got these uh, these birds following him, Munin, and what was the other one? Now oh, right, the crows. Yeah, You're right. And he says, "Which one are you?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, all right. Well. We want to acknowledge all of our listeners that whom we truly appreciate taking the time to check out Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, and in particular, those listeners in Australia and Monaco, both of which have significantly increased the past few months. I don't know why. I wonder if Lost Girl is maybe airing there, or perhaps even Dark Angel, Firefly, Birds of Prey, but 
Regardless of the reason, Wayne and I thank you, and hopefully you'll stay with us. Yeah. Welcome to the fold. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's talk about the real reason we're here, which is Dark Angel Season 2, Episode 4. Oh, I thought you were going to say chicks. <laughs> That's why we podcast. <laughs> Uh, radar love we got a thing that's called radar love you weren't even born yet when that i was actually it's from 1973 yeah well you're like i wasn't listening to the pop music at the time though but uh yeah golden uh, earring man that's like you know where you were there from uh i don't dutch oh nice the other big hit twilight zone well, uh, you know, I mean, look, as a bass player, I mean, this has got, you know, that distinctive bass hook. And yeah, Atomic Dog. Very, very simple. Yeah, very simple, but still very, very powerful. Anyway, this ri- episode was written by Michael Angeli, who was also a co-executive producer on Battlestar Galactica, directed by Jeff Wolno, who did two episodes, season one, and he actually directed the season two premiere, and this one aired October 28th, 2001. So Battlestar Galactic was kind of happening at the same time, right? Didn't it, Wasn't it like... No, later, like 2005, 6, 7, I oh, think, really? for Battlestar Galactic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because we're seeing like um, a lot of crossover um, between Dark Angel and... Um, and Balsar, are we not like actors and stuff? We, I mean, we, it, cer- it certainly seems that way. I mean, I know that there's like kind of like actors, like there's like that are in a lot of sci-fi and everything. But anyway, yeah. Um, well, this is the episode in which we finally see Max and Asha go toe to toe over Logan. Well, maybe that's overstating it a little bit, but but <laughs> you know, there there is that conflict that arises here. And then you know, of course, you mentioned uh, the song "Radar Love," and and I think. It really does play, if you look at the lyrics, which I had to go back and listen to because all I had in my head was the bass line. Uh, but the, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's a good bass line. But, but, you know, the song's about connections between lovers and... But like from a distance, uh, the, though, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. Exactly. That they're, they're separated, so they, they their love has to exist... Via other means. Right, right. Yeah, through the through the ether or whatever. Right, and, and that one line early in the song, when she gets lonely and the longing gets too much, and and obviously that's what's happening here, and and you know I think we're we're certainly afraid that Max more so than Logan is just going to say the heck with it, I'm done, you know, we'll still work together, but I can't deal with this anymore. You know, that's funny because I'm seeing it the opposite. I think Logan is the one who's going to crack first. I think Max is. Well, she might say she's done with it, but I don't think she's gonna cross that line with Rafer here. She looks like she's just she's not just she's just not into him. No, you know? and, and and he's a little more honorable than Asha at this point, it seems. Yeah. And uh and Logan is you know, he's kinda into Asha a little bit. So Yeah, well he had a shot tonight. He 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 backed away. Sure. But he didn't he didn't I would say he backed away. He just made a funny look, you know? <laughs> Like he didn't put the hand up and say, "No, we can't do this," you know, or something like that that you always see. Uh, he just made kind of a weird face, and and, uh, and that was it. But you know, it took a while before. And if Ashley Scott was leaning in to kiss you, it'd be tough to, you know, you'd have a decision to make there, I guess, as well, right? Well, sure. And then you know, when we see them together, you know, later in the episode, it, it certainly seems as if he enjoys her company, but. You know, obviously that's one of the storylines in tonight's episode. The the other one is the continued search for father and Joshua's integration into the outside world, much to Max's displeasure. And and then I guess maybe the main storyline where we see that White has contracted this guy Cyril. And I guess we wonder, is he a former Manticore geneticist or is he just somebody he got off the street i feel like he's someone yeah like a out completely outside the loop here kind of guy because white you know he's he's like got his own agenda you know yeah yeah like and, he's, and, he's clearly not going through official channels here right and and obviously he wants him to produce a pathogen that will target specific groups and of course we know that it's uh the manticore kids so well the transgenics and the transgenics right right exactly ordinarily an episode doesn't open with comic relief 
<laughs> but they right. kind of did in this one. It's, it's not really comic relief if you haven't had anything to yeah, relieve yet. So. Exactly. Um, but exhibiting more canine characteristics than we've seen previously, Joshua moves about the streets, sniffing his way to Max's apartment. Yeah, the fire hydrant was a bit much, I think. Uh, and the little one-on-one with the other dog where they're barking at each other. Yeah. I think he, he, gives the, he takes the dog's paw at one point. But what's interesting is that no one on the street seems to be paying much attention to him even yeah. after he arrives. What the hell? A guy looks like a dog around sniffing shit. Like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing, no biggie. Right. Uh, Max tells him he needs to lay low. And, you know, we assume she means more from White and his death squad than anything else because it, it seems at least, and, and we see a lot of tonight's episode take place in Chinatown. And apparently that's where a lot of the transgenics have kind of migrated, I guess. So, yeah, so I guess that's you know, why it's not that big a deal to see this guy going around sniffing and everything but do you catch the song uh not that i recall it was a uh, atomic dog by oh. by george clinton you know, oh wow wow yippee yo yippee bow wow yippee yo yippee oh man I, I feel horrible george clinton i mean i don't know that yeah. song but what? of course as a bass player how can you not know parliament funkadelic right right i mean that song is like whenever there's any kind of dog theme commercial or tv uh, you know that's like the that's kind of like the automatic snoop dog even sampled it oh okay well we're all we're still in chinatown and we first see this deformed man trying to buy clothing and then uh later we see a young man bleeding from the eyes as he collapses in the street and we later learn that the man that comes to his aid is cyril the guy right. that designed the pathogen. Of course, we don't know that at that point. And we're wondering about the deformed man. I mean, certainly we feel there's a connection to Manticore, but my first reaction was, well, was he burned in the fire? Well, yeah. What I actually did is I, I rewound to see, did like the, I called him the bleeding guy. Did he somehow have contact with the guy who died? Because you know, obviously our, one of our initial kind of reaction is that, Oh, this guy somehow, you know, caused this to happen, maybe. But, you know, on rewinding, it didn't. And then there is that, you know, that kind of flare that goes up or a rocket that goes off over it, um, which, you know, at first I thought, oh, the rocket is clearly caused this. But then I was like, well, it looked like it dispersed something, but why would only one guy be affected? by this thing that got dispersed. So that's when I went back to, well, maybe it was that, that bleeding guy somehow touched him. But uh, Well, see, when so. I saw that rocket go off, what I thought was the Manticore signal that they were sending out, you know, a couple episodes ago that, that had some oh, right. kind of message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, when we see Cyril, the first thing I thought was Sock, which you don't know because you never I, saw Reaper. I but did not. Tyler Labine, that actor, played... Uh, sock on on reaper and then i thought there is a great show for us to do on sci-fi tv rewatch you know i think somebody has recommended that i'd have to go back and look at the archives probably me no no one of the listeners okay Um, but yeah that was uh reaper was a a fantastic show so it's on netflix too i'm pretty sure okay just saying Uh, well, we also learn that this guy has a barcode. So, you know, we know yep. for sure that there's a Manticore connection. All right. So Logan's filling in Max on the research that he's been doing on Sandeman and, and tells her that, well, you know, there's not a lot out there. I did find out that the guy's got two PhDs, even though neither is in science, and that apparently he disappeared around 2008. And that's pre-Pulse because the Pulse was June 1st, 09. So then that kind of begs the question, why did he disappear and leave the program? I mean, did he not like the direction it was taking with Lydecker? Or maybe he had something to do with the pulse. That could, well, that could be. Now, as Max and Logan talk, they literally like circle each other like two boxers looking for an opening, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, I think Uh, it's more like like whenever he stepped towards her, she would just back away. Yeah. Like just rope a dope. Just keep, keep it. All right. Yeah, you don't know that reference. Huh? I do, I do. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about, the, the rumble in the jungle. Okay, all right. Uh, well, Max gives him that walking stick that she found and hopes he can recover fingerprints or DNA. And, of course, as it turns out, it's just the, he can determine that mice were chewing it. And that's about right. all that's there. But we have our first incident 
Asha arrives. Yeah, awkward. And well, the other thing that struck me was she just walks in without knocking. True. Now, Max does, but, you know, they have a relationship. So I, right. I was a little surprised. Well, my, uh, oh, you mean like a relationship relationship or? Well, well, no, I mean, they have a relation. They certainly have a working relationship and it's certainly a lot more than just a working relationship. Obviously they haven't taken it. But I think we also have to remember that that whole time that Max was at Manticore, that uh, Logan was working with Asha that whole time. Like, yeah. you know, the, like the season starts off with, they already have a pretty strong familiarity with one another. So, right. She doesn't know Max is there, starts ranting about her ID that seems to be losing its effectiveness and mentions Manticore, Max, and her furry little friends, Yeah, which is what prompts Max to step into the room. And boy, we can feel the chill like in our living rooms watching it. And oh man, you got to feel bad for Logan at that point. Yeah. I felt a little bad for Asha too. I mean, that was a a not nice comment, but still, we've all said things then been like, oh you know, that awkward silence of, you know, when you unwittingly, uh, you know, insulted someone that you didn't well, realize was there. Well, well, true. I, but I guess I felt, you know, poor Logan's caught in the middle. Sure. Uh, and I was really happy to see Max react the, the way she does. She uh, was very gracious. So now Max later mocks Asha for saying, you know, all she wants to do is take a bath. <laughs> All I want to do is drown her in one. Right. Uh, and then she's riding her bike through the streets. And okay, here's where I start to have a problem. Again, I really like this episode, but there were some things that I really did not like. Okay. And one of them, and, and I guess this pretty much is everything. It's all related to the same thing. It's as if the director got a new editing toy and had to see how many ways he could use it. So we've got this split screen visual, which to me was just annoying as she's riding her bike down the street. Right. Um, her voiceover makes plain her feelings about Asha and, and whether or not someone's trying to tell her something, you know, and that idea of, you know, fate and whether, you know, she and Logan are just not fated to be together. And then, of course, <laughs> ironically enough, she hits the car, flies over the handlebars. Who does it turn out to be? Pizza Guy Rafer. Yeah. And... Claims he's also a paramedic, although she <laughs> has her doubts, although right. he did. Uh, that was just an excuse. Yeah, he did try to cop a feel. I think there's right. no other way around that. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think he was actually trying to help her, but, but you know, she's, it's just a flesh wound, man. You know, she's, uh, she's not, not, some of this, like a silly little getting hit by a car is going to hurt her, so. Right now, you know, one of the secondary characters that I really like in this show is is Matt. And, you know, we get to see a little more of him in this episode. So he's running the walking stick for Logan. But we also learned that the police are well aware that there are a lot of these strange transgenics in Chinatown. Right. And in, in fact, they've got the sketch of the deformed guy that we saw earlier. And then additionally, that guy who tried to help the eye bleeder is there demanding to know what's going on. And, and of course we still don't know what his role is at this point claims. He's a scientist himself thinks he's exposed to something. And, and I guess on the one hand, I'm thinking you're lucky. They just didn't grab you by the shirt and throw you out in the street with that attitude. But right. But, but you know, he's a biochemist, so he's got a lot of education. So he's, you know, probably has kind of a little, superior attitude about him right and we realize he's really just there to try to obtain some recon on what they know right all right well we get to jam pony and rafer shows up now he's wearing his paramedic garb and asks max to lunch well not actually to lunch he's brought lunch with him but yeah just just as well and then again we and here's something that on the one hand you'd think because of what i said about the editing on the other thing you'd think i wouldn't like this but I did like the editing, the way they would just go back and forth between Logan and Asha, right? Max and Rafer. So now we jump cut to Logan's and Asha apologizing for what she said to Max. She must hate me. And of course, <laughs> she does. Right. A um, little bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Max and Logan are trying to explain to Rafer and Asha the complications that are keeping her and Logan apart. But. Rafer tells her anyone be lucky to be with her, respects Max's dilemma, 
Asha goes in for the kill. Right. So, so you know, uh, and she has her hair back like too. She looked really cute. So, yeah, that, you it know, was, I, I was I was impressed that Logan was able to fend that one off. Uh, I agree, and uh, you know, I know I said at the beginning of the Dark Angel run that, uh, well, actually the season two run that I was having a little difficult time seeing her as a blonde after birds right. of prey right but but um it, it's starting to grow on me and, and and it looks a lot more natural than it than it did when we started season two logan like you mentioned he doesn't really say no or anything he just like this expression she backs away leaves without her new id which was supposedly why she came there uh i guess after the gun incident a few episodes back you wonder whether the idea is just a story just to get get to logan yeah yeah that uh, definitely i i didn't notice i didn't think th- through that that she had left her id until you know it becomes a plot point later um but uh yeah you know it's this this whole you know like the the, the wires becoming even more muddied here uh for logan and max and you know, for the the shippers out there who are really pulling for this relationship, yeah, you know, it's probably a very frustrating episode because they, it, it, like you had said earlier, it seems like they both are not giving up yet, but getting to a point where they already just say, "Listen, this is it's too much." You know, and Max expresses that. You know that that it's getting to a point where it's just too much, and you know, Rafer's actually you had said kind of like does have some honor here he apologizes for the night that they were together and and we know that she was the one who you know she was just as much pushing that night as as he was so you know, right, because she was in heat at the time right exactly so um you know he is you know he's he's, he's a pretty good guy and I like the way they've set it up with the four way as opposed to just Asha, Max, and Logan. Right. And, and, and so that it does enable them to go back and forth. They each have someone to talk to about the complications. And, you know, while on the one hand, I was a little uh, put off by Asha, you know, going in for the kill, as I said. But by the end of the episode, I think even she has to you know, kind of reevaluate what her approach is going to be. I mean, after Max springs her from jail, I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, tough to go and steal someone's guy who just did that for you. You know, kind of like, and we, and we see this in, in Lost Girl, actually, you know, the heart kind of wants what it wants, I guess. And, uh, you know, while their hearts kind of want one another, the reality of the situation is that that is, possible that that could never happen ever while they are kind of testing the wires outside of each other they they're not enthusiastic about it you know no no um and that and we're, you know we'll talk about that kind of that look uh, when they're um in the bar at the end yeah that they give one another so we'll leave it for that moment okay well the next thing that happens is the deformed guy goes to buy a bus ticket in chinatown and we see the second fireworks launched, and of course we know what it is now. Sketch we? and Cindy. Well, we well, I mean, so. you know, we know because we've seen the whole episode. At the time, we didn't. Oh, okay, right. Um, Sketch and Cindy are delivering a package in Chinatown, and suddenly we see a number of people coughing, bleeding from the nose and eyes, and collapsing. And Cindy and Sketch get away quickly because, of course, they. I don't know if they connected it to the fireworks, but they certainly connected it to something that's airborne or right. causing and, these people. At this point, I'm pretty sure that it is, yeah, that that's what's causing the, the sickness, not the the bleeding guy, because, you know, like all these people at once, it's, it's, it's more clearly this time cause effect, right? Sure. That the, um, the rocket goes off, the flare goes off, and people start dying but now it's a bunch of people rather than just the one guy though as you said not sketching cindy so we're like what the hell right right and we find out from matt 22 dead all chinese right um and you got the hazmat team cleaning things up and and we learn that it's some kind of pathogen that the medical examiner has never seen tells logan that word is one of the manticore mutants is in chinatown and bleeds out through his skin so of course that's you know you know what 
connection they want us to make. But, you know, Matt starts telling Logan that he's beginning to disbelieve the Manticore cover story, you know, for the fire and all that. So uh, at this point, you know, I mean, Logan tells her at the end of the episode uh, about Matt's inquisitiveness and, and what he should tell him. And, you know, she tells him as little as possible. But, you know, that's going to come to a head sooner, probably rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And you see the the jumping. And here's where, you know, I, I can't remember which of our listeners had mentioned this, but, you know, the show started getting to issues like racism and things like that because here Matt just automatically assumes, well, this weird-looking guy must be the cause of all the deaths, right? Like he just assumes that. Now, here's also the, the slight problem I have with this. It goes back to the very beginning of the show. So they use, the, you know, I mean, basically they use Joshua kind of as, as a joke, as a running joke, like all the dog things, right? Like whining at the at the door and licking the, or sniffing the fire hydrant, things like that. So if you're going to make that strong statement, or if you're trying to make a strong statement about like racism and everything, you know, don't use his his transgenicism as some kind of joke, right? Sure. No, I agree. And, and in fact, he comes up with a couple of really poignant comments as the episode goes on. So, um, no, I, I agree with you. And, and, and of course, you know, we find out that the reason that Cyril targeted the Chinese is because it was easy in, in terms of, you know, targeting a specific DNA right. characteristic. Well, Logan goes to see Max at Jampony, ask whether or not she knows what this might be, implying that the Manticore mutant is somehow responsible. And and she's put off by that, and, you know, for the reasons that you just outlined. But it's a natural assumption. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like you got to eliminate things first. Absolutely. I think she's put off not really by because of what I said, but because of what Asha had said before. Like, she's pissed at Asha and the whole, you know, furry friends comment. So she takes it very personally. And when Logan suggests, as you said, it is a reasonable suggestion, right? He's not going there because, oh, transgenics are evil. He's going there because, okay, well, something weird is happening in Chinatown. We have this weird dude at the same time showing up. It's possible there can you know he's not going there saying it's a definite connection he's just thinking it's possible it could be a connection well right and, and how and how can he not think that when no, the problem he's got with max is very similar right absolutely it's completely reasonable you know she is very unreasonable in uh getting mad at him about that so yeah now at first i thought asha got caught on purpose by the sector police because I'm thinking like, all right, what the heck is she doing? But but again, we know she's involved with that resistance group, whatever. I guess on, on the rewatch, I didn't think it so much. But classic, Logan calls Max, I need you to do me a favor. Really? <laughs> yeah. The police run Asha's prints and know who she is. Uh, they refer to her as a terrorist. I wasn't real impressed with the interrogator that they hired or the no. actor that played the interrogator. No, nah, he wasn't great. Um, but they sla- uh, you know, he, plus he slapped her, which that, you know, well, true. That was rude. Uh, Max bursts through the window, takes the guards out and then they go back, you know, out the, the way Max came in. Right. So let's think about this for a second. though. <laughs> She crashes in some window. Like I guess he I don't even know if the interrogation room is has an outside window in the first place. Like I didn't realize interrogation rooms really had windows in the first place. This is the minimum minimum security. Yeah, it's very minimal. And then she's got like some rope that leads back out. It's like what the hell does that window lead to? Like, I don't know. It was just it was kind of crazy. Well, maybe they were, you know, it led to air vents that they were going to cross. Who knows? Yeah. Why have a window over the air vent, though? You know, like. Yeah. Now, yeah. now the other, you know, like we talked about the storyline about them still searching for father. And Max finds Joshua at Sandeman's sitting in a chair looking at his books. Um, not sure it's clear whether he can read or not. Uh, maybe he can. It even appears he may have tidied the place up a bit. You know, on the one hand, he seems to repeat things that Max says, but it's also clear that he understands 
what's going on and what's being said. Max and right. Logan, that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's uh you know the wise fool, I guess. You know, right. like he's well, he's not really the fool, but he's just you know, like this, you know, despite the, the whole, you know, comic aspects starting the show, as you said, he does have a way of kind of seeing the essential elements of a situation, you know, and everything, like you well, just said. You know, right, like, and, and like he'll, you know, Max and Logan getting busy. Well, right. on, on the one hand, it's supposed to be funny, but on the other hand, like you just said, it, it, it really shows that he understands what's really at play here. And then she says, Did father ever talk to you about fate? Some things not meant to be, and, and obviously that's the, the big thing that, that everybody's wrestling with at this point in the series, or in season two anyway. Right. But you know, what he says is like, there are things that people are considered not meant to be like him. He is something that shouldn't be right. Part, part canine, part human. Yeah. But yet he, you know, he says, here I am. So while she's getting down and saying that the relationship with Logan is not meant to be, he's like saying, well, don't, you know, don't say that. Sometimes things seemingly aren't meant to be, but actually are meant to be. And yeah. Logan's sitting in the bar we assume for news of Max's springing of Asha, but he overhears Rafer ask the bartender if he knows a girl named Max, which obviously gets Logan's attention. Max and Asha arrive and Asha tells her that she's just going to go in, get her ID and leave. And at the same time, and this is one of those scenes that I was mentioning a few minutes ago that I really did like the way they, they, they cut these scenes. You know, Rafer asks if Logan's waiting for Max. And when he hears the affirmative, acknowledges it's his cue to leave honorable guy that he seems to be and logan and max both leave separately without seeing each other and you just want to smack both of them yeah well they're they're kind of you know and the moping is just a little bit too much but it's tough though man it is i'm tough it's they've you know i think it's logan and says that you know for so long they kind of danced around each other then finally they decide to go for it and then this happens and they're just so frustrated and sad and, and everything. You know, I thought maybe, you know, the solution I thought was going to happen here is that Asha was going to go in and was going to see Rafer and those two were going to hook up and then, you know, well, problem solved, right? Well, I'm not discounting that possibility. Yeah. And, and I think that might happen just because of how they're all this, the, the, you know, they're, they're weaving in the editing here, like basically, you know, their conversations weaving in and out of each other uh, and they cut and it's almost like the one conversation is answering the question from the other conversation and everything. Um, but basically saying that this is like four people in basically the exact same situation. Well, right. And, you know, we do have this inner circle and the question about whether or not Matt is going to be brought into the inner circle is, is certainly at play. Obviously, Asha's in this inner circle. And I think the fact that Rafer is a paramedic may be beneficial to this inner circle, you know, so that I could see him being brought in. I didn't look at IMDb, so I don't know how many episodes he's in, but uh, that's certainly something that I considered. Yeah, and it definitely looks like uh, Matt Matt is going to get brought in here. And, uh, yeah, because they really developed his character more this episode than than they had a lot you know we see some depth there you know we see some motivation you know part of it is yeah when he shoots that guy we figured he's a little quick on the draw there but on the other hand he is emotionally affected because it's chinese people that are dying right sure right and and you know the next scene we see that little chinese kid that rented the room to the disfigured guy and he's climbing up a ladder on the side of the building so we can peek in the guy's room. Yeah, we totally see what's going to happen here. Yeah, right? do we? Uh, meanwhile, his father's called the police. Matt and partner arrive, proceed to the guy's room. And of course, the kid slips off the ladder, and, and we know where this is headed. Uh, so is sure. it a, is it a trope? Uh, yeah. But yes, definitely. But it, it does, again, kind of reinforce, maybe even a little too heavy-handed, you know, that, that theme of... Uh, racism but you know they they burst in the kid slips off fingers hanging on the edge the deformed guy of course saves him pats him on the head and then matt bursts in the room shoots first without really finding anything out 
you know, at this point we know because we can really get a good visual of him that he wasn't burned in the fire. This is some sort of manticore genetic mistake. Right. Yeah. And you have the poor guy, right? I mean, God, you know, just like, it's just terrible. Um, yeah, we're kind of hating Matt at this point because he just bursts in the room and shoots. And he, you know, Larry says, well, you know, he had the little kid there, but, you know, like, didn't even say, stop, freeze, get your hands up, nothing like, you know. Yeah. Like, seems like the, the more appropriate response would be to offer the person a chance to submit before shooting him. Right. And what makes it worse in the very next scene, we're in the autopsy room and we learn that the creature wasn't the source of the deadly pathogen that the pathogens genetically engineered and is de- being deliberately loosed on society. And, you know, Logan's there with Matt and Max. I'm not sure how she got wind of all this. Uh, does she have a police scanner? Did, yeah, maybe. Uh, and she's telling Matt that he killed an innocent man. Matt notices the barcode. And then why do I get the feeling there's something you're not telling me? Yeah. And of course, like we've been saying it, they, they can't not tell him for too much longer right exactly because he is the popo right <laughs> the five oh yeah uh, they're gonna bring him in, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know and everything and the the one thing is that he s- seems genuinely upset you know by what he you know like when he realizes that he shot someone it doesn't necessarily excuse what he did but he but, certainly looks like he he realizes the magnitude and his 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 guilt in that you know, as Joshua tells Max, people get real scared when things are different. And right. That's, and that's kind of at the heart of this this whole episode. Sure. Um, well, we see the guy that we assume is behind all of this killing, who we obviously now know as Cyril. And he's on the phone with somebody, tells his phone buddy that he needs a test subject, and then cuts back to Logan telling Matt that the pathogen can target specific groups suspects this was a field test no one's claimed responsibility so now we're we're trying to figure out all right what's the eventual target group and i think most of us can put two and two together and come up with four for sure um all right so sometimes they come up with 22 but (laughs) most of the time it's four all right well logan calls to apologize to max and, and they both realize that the current state of affairs has them spooked because of the virus that max carries that targets only Logan and, and we're like, hello. Okay. So, you know, maybe this guy can, can help us out here. Maybe they'll cut some kind of deal. You know, you won't do life in prison or whatever. And then we've got the cheesy four way split screen with Asha and Ray. Oh, I kind of like that. Oh, I hated it. <sighs> At this point though, you know, that's the fundamental question. Can Cyril help Max? And, and I think the answer is, of course he can. Right, if he doesn't get shot. If he doesn't get shot, right. (laughs) All right, well, maybe it's me, and I really want to like where the show's story arc is headed, but uh, the star-crossed lovers, come on, something's got to happen. Max goes to the bar, sits with Rafer, and then we see at a table across the room, Logan and Asha, because this must be like the only bar and restaurant in in that uh, end of Seattle. In, In the whole city. Yeah. Uh, Max so it's spot- like uh, you know, um, birds of prey, right? Like everything there was, there was like a three block radius. The whole city was in, right? <laughs> True. Max spots Logan first, and when he returns that look, they both kind of it's like a little smile. And I'm wondering, okay, are these smiles of resignation to our situation? Hopefully not. But uh, again, I-, I think that's a lot of where this episode is is taking us. Yeah, I think there's a lot of meaning in in those looks. You know, resignation could be there. It could be just this, you know, this realization that this sucks. I don't want this. You don't want this. But here we are kind of idea. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just really tough on these two. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at an underground lab. Cyril's waxing poetic about the success of steps one and two of the pathogen trial. When we finally see who we expected to see all along, and that's, of course, White, telling him, Move on to step three. No more delays. Tells White that targeting the Chinese was easy because of the specific gene sequences he hit. But the problem is with the Manticore subjects, they've got a little bit of everything, don't they? But he claims, I think I heard him say he's claim he's targeting the immune system. Uh, and, I don't know. I didn't catch and, that. 
and he says he has a test subject and it's one of the X's and we later learn he's an X5 claims he can manufacture enough by Friday to blanket the entire West Coast and the only issue is how you're going to disperse it white's like no problem I'm going to disperse it using helicopters and again talk about Cyril's attitude when he was at the police station does he not know white I I think I'd I'd back off a little bit with uh, the imperatives with white, but yeah, that's just me. Right, right, exactly. And I, I, this is where we go back to before. I don't think he knows him very well, and I do think he's extremely arrogant, um, as we saw there. I mean, this whole thing, just you know, the pride involved in all of this. So, yeah, whereas you and I see his attitude as kind of inappropriate and potentially life-threatening, He's got no problem. You know, he, he doesn't see that. And he and you're right. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know, obviously, how dangerous he is. Okay. Like, on the one hand, okay, I'm a smart guy. On the other hand, this guy wants to commit genocide. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I'd be right. a little more frightened. But, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Logan figures out that the fireworks were actually a dispersion cartridge used with the bioagent. And he's got an address for the buyer, this handheld firing mechanism. And, and of course, it's the address of the lab. But the guy's not there anymore because he's of already course. in the field with his test right. subject. And, and look, that's fine. Uh, they got 43 minutes. We, we get they've got to speed things up. Sure. Um, so the canister's got enough to kill any transgenic in a two-mile radius. Uh, they're in sector four, which I don't know that the numbers really mean anything to us i never really sat down and thought about it that much no but when he claims there's no way that anybody can escape the pathogen we of course know well you know of course there is they're pretty fast yeah yeah like i figured it's like so it hits like a a two mile radius right or two mile dispersal thing so that's that's actually if if the guy's at the center of it that's one mile he would have to run and I think it was like five minutes, right? Yeah. One minute for it to hit the ground, four for it to disperse. Non-X5 people can run a mile in five minutes. So I'm thinking the X5 could easily do that. So Right. That's uh, not how he escapes. But his you know, claim that it's impossible is you know, ludicrous. You're right. Now, talking about ludicrous, uh, Logan's computer program that tells him it's already been detonated uh or is it one minute to you know the what you can see on the screen i'm like uh, i'm not sure how you got that information but okay i'll play along (laughs) he calls max for help and then max matt and logan arrive at the scene white sees what's going on so he leaves cyril fires the canister and that's when max runs in putting herself at risk because let's i need to take a step back here okay because i don't know if you caught this but when Cyril says, okay, then you have to come in and pick up the body afterwards. White's like, nope, I'm not going to be around. You're going to have to get the body. So did you catch that? I did. Make a believer out of me. Right. Yeah. So, well, but I think that White is a manticore. He, he, he's a transgenic. Oh. Right? Because when he heard that this is going to affect all the transgenics in, in this area, he's like, I'm out of here. Okay, see, I guess I just took it uh, that he doesn't have 100% trust in what he's trying to do and that, yes, you're saying you've targeted transgenics, but you know who's no, to say? I, I'm, I'm thinking All right, that, I like that, that theory. I'm thinking that, that White is one of them, and, and he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not picking up the body. You're going to have to do that because you know, he's not taking any chances. Ah, kind of like Rachel in Orphan yes, Black. Yes, right, yep. Nice. So Max runs in, obviously, at you know, the risk of her own life. And, and and I start to think, well, and of course, I don't know why I would think this, because how would she know that the pathogen that's already inside of her will somehow protect her? But, you know, that's, of course, ridiculous. <laughs> well, what's ridiculous is that, once again, the Jamponi ID <laughs> gets her through security. She's like, Jamponi, all right, go ahead, lady. Oh, wait, you, hey, step back, Logan. Well, at least, yeah. she, at least she didn't go up to the garden and say, bip, 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 let me through. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. So so we see in the alley, uh, Max sees Cyril with his laptop and the kid climbing a ladder on the side of the building, the, the X5 kid. So now she's 
I guess, torn, which one do I go after? Well, she chooses. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's no, no choice to make here at all, right? She chooses. Well, I mean, I take his laptop away, although who knows? But anyway, she chooses his X5. Well, he's running because she doesn't know who she is. Sure. But he finally gets to a point where the jump is too great, I guess, even for an X5. And she just pushes him off and then is right behind him jumps herself and they land in this large container of water i don't know exactly what it would be actually for <laughs> why is there just a big cistern of water yeah i don't know who knows but uh <laughs> so now we see ah they can hold their breath for an inordinately long time sure and, and uh while they're underwater she shows him her barcode and then gives him the hand signal you know out there bad stay in water uh and, and, and of course, we're like, uh, and she's got the watch and she's got the timer set. And after the five minutes are up, Max and the kid emerge from the water. And who's there? Cyril. Cyril. I mean, why is he pissed? Five million? Come on. You know, shooting him's not going to solve anything. And, Cyril, come and, on, man. And, Think and outside the, the box. Right. And for the second time today, Matt shoots and kills. Right. When he really shouldn't. I mean,. See, I guess he doesn't really know, obviously, what Max is, because I'm thinking like, okay, geneticist holding a gun on an X5. I'm gonna. I'm, I think the yeah. X5's odds are still pretty good. But he's he's still pretty much got her dead to rights, so, huh? You know. Uh, I understand that, but but again, you, you've seen guns taken away pretty darn quickly in some instances but sure but we've also seen max get shot too right and to be fair he doesn't know about max and her virus but we know here goes the second chance max had yeah at at being cured right and and you wonder okay how many geneticists are they going to parade before us before one actually Uh, they're a dime a dozen yeah i guess (laughs) but uh but you know it's again when we think about conflicting messages of this show, you know, clearly before just his use of lethal force was completely uncalled for and unacceptable, right? Yeah. It was horrific. Um, but now, oh, we're okay with it, right? Because, you know, he was saving Max. So, I mean, it's not, you know, like the show is kind of, you know, this particular episode, I should say, is, like I said, sending out conflicting messages there. But I, but I guess the situations are, are different. I mean... Sure. You know, the deformed guy wasn't holding a gun on the kid. Right. Exactly. So. But it's just, you know, it's a hot-button issue right now, especially, you know, we live right outside Baltimore, yeah. so it's... Yeah, no yeah. question. Uh, well, Max takes the X5 to Joshua's and thanks him for letting the kids say it. And, and it, it was really a, a great scene killing us all that was the plan joshua admits and she tells him still is we just got lucky this time so yeah yeah so uh, as long as white's out there yep so we go to the closing scene raining outside logan tells max that he's got control of cyril's lab and his work but also mentions that matt is asking questions and of course tells him to reveal as little as possible so you know is Logan going to be able to track down somebody to make sense of Cyril's work? Well, hopefully, and hopefully sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah, they. I don't know how much longer they can stretch this out, honestly. Well, yeah. they try because <laughs> he brings up the other night at Crash. Both admit they didn't know the other would be there. He apologizes for jumping to conclusions, something they're both dealing with in regard to Asha and Rafer. His phone, her pager go off. I'm like, really? Yeah. Because it's Rafer and Asha. So neither answers. So I guess it brings up the the question of this final scene and the relationship with others by not answering are both saying that they won't see other people. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, both Asha and Rafer's intentions are out in the open. Sure. So it's something that, you know, Max and... Logan are going to have to deal with. Yeah, and but you know, like I said, the, uh, I don't know if I were watching this back when it was originally on. You know, at, at some point the audience is going to be like, "Come on now, all right, enough coming up with you know 
false obstacles between these two. And, you know, if you're going that direction, go there. So anyway, we'll see. Uh, you know, I liked it. I mean, for me, the, the, the biggest problem was, like I said, the technical use of the split screen stuff, which I see. I like be, that. Okay. I like that. Cause when they're all talking at once and everything, again, it's part of that. This is, these are all four people in the exact same situation, the same, you know, like what, Max is going through, Logan's going through, and same thing with Asha and Ray for that, you know, that parallelism between all of it. So I kind of like that. Okay. All right. But you did. I got it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So anything else? Uh, nope. I think that's it. All right. Uh, you know, good episode. I, you know, I don't know if I'd give it an A, probably a B plus, uh, because there was a lot going on that was really important to the to the story arc. Yeah, I, I liked it better than the last one. I liked, you know, I, you know what my criticism of the last one was that they were just doing too much at once, too many stories, too many balls in the air. With this one, it seemed like a more streamlined, focused uh, story. And Tyler Labine was in it, which he was awesome. Though he's, he was evil, but he still did a good job. Because okay, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, if you don't start uh, giving higher grades, James Cameron's mother's going to call you up. Uh, and I will say your son makes really good shows. <laughs> all right well anyway thanks for, <laughs> thanks for joining us tonight we'd love to hear from you about dark angel firefly or anything else you think we should be watching we'd also like to encourage you to join the facebook group and if you're already a member spread the word emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the website but we'll be back next week with episode five of firefly entitled safe until then you know it's funny because the other day after the studio I, I ran to your wife and I was leaving and she said something that's just really weird I'm still trying to puzzle out what exactly she meant she said um, you know she said I said so how, how are things you know what would, if, if Dave were right here what would you say to him she said I just want things to be the way they were you know where we could hold hands without you keeling over on me <laughs> <laughs>